Hi folks, a little bit of housekeeping before we start this podcast. This conversation is with actor, uh, playwright, writer, and unfortunately continuing activist on the mother and baby home situation, uh, Noelle Brown. Uh, long-time listeners will have heard Noelle on the podcast several times. Um, she was on yet again to talk about the failure of the state to live up to promises to the survivors. It's an important listen, a short listen. Please do <laughs> give it uh, your attention and maybe uh, contact the your local government TD, your own TD, and let them know that this is not happening in your name. Yet again, we have to call for solidarity for the survivors and their families. Uh, please do support this podcast. It really does need you to dip, dip your hands in your pocket and keep us going. The mic stay on via patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. And for that, you get a ton of additional content. This week alone, we've had additional podcasts with Maria Delaney from Noteworthy on the church selling off the properties that we'd hoped maybe they'd use to address the redress for the survivors of institutional abuse. Uh, also, the, story, the journalist Conal O'Farrita, who broke the story on the on the government dropping the independent review, uh, joined me for a lengthy conversation into the entire situation. And Martin had an excellent conversation with Gavin Elliott from Threshold on the... 100 years of renting, rent strikes and, and pushing back and asking the generation rent actually worse off uh, constitutionally than they were at the foundation of the state. Really interesting conversation there. That and tons more as well as access to our Sunday shows and all of those podcasts available as quickly as we can turn them around plea free. Please do consider it one more time. Patreon.com forward slash tortoise and I'll let you listen to the conversation we had with Noel now. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back quicker than I anticipated. Uh, events, dear boy, events. Um, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Martin McMahon. Martin, it's good to see you. Up and, up and fresh before 2pm on, on a Monday. Things are... Yeah, yeah. And the kids all back to school today, tomorrow. Ah, yeah. we'll, have to, we'll have to get into it. Look, there's there's something I want to talk to you afterwards about uh, about my teenage daughter. Um, you've, you've gone through these experiences. Really, yeah. But that's for off air. Okay. <laughs> anyway, look, um, it's with some sadness that, that we're rejoined by a, a contributor to the Tortoise Shack over the last number of years. And every time this this uh, brilliant person comes on, we say, hopefully next time we're getting to talk about something positive in terms of your professional life and the work that you do. It's writer, actor, and, uh, and sadly, in this case, still activist, Noel Brown. Noel, how are you? It's good to see you. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. And I, yeah, I can't believe that I'm back on here again, you know, yeah. expressing, you know, what pain the government are causing us again as survivors of mother and baby homes. But here we are. I just want to give this. So, if listeners aren't up to date, um, Conal O'Farrita uh, and Elaine Lachlan in the Irish Examiner reported late last night, early this morning, that a promised independent review of testimony given by the mother and baby home survivors has now been abandoned by the government. In June 2021, Minister Roderick O'Gorman had announced plans and proposals to Cabinet to appoint an international human rights expert uh, to re examine the written testimony uh, to the Mother and Baby Homes Commission and, and and rewind listeners, I want to go back to January, 20, well, December uh, 2020 and then January 2021. And we talked about with Noel and, and several people about pushing back against the revisionism within the report and how it was, you know, simply set up. And as was one as one commenter said, um, that it was it was basically written in, in such in, in fashion of the way of the state to minimize any expenses uh, or concerns to protect the state and further disrespecting people who've been routinely shamed by the powerful yet still with dignity just ask for recognition and justice there you go folks we're back here again 
Um, Noel, can I ask what was your gut feeling when you read that report from um, Conal and Elaine this morning? Well, I was just horrified, to be quite honest. Um, not surprised. You know, they never fail to disappoint us um, and, you know, inflict hurt on us. It's what happened with the report. The fallout was huge. Um, it's the same thing, again, about not being listened to. We expressed our concerns about the report. We expressed our deep hurt about the report, the handling of our testimonies, our words, our lived experiences. Um, and the the fallout from that was huge. I mean, it really, really was, and it hurt a lot of survivors. And then we're told, you know, that the the, the human rights um, rapporteur will be involved in, you know, righting the wrongs around the report, what happened to the testimonies, and then it's gone. Um, and hand in hand with these odd leaflets coming through our doors telling it's that it's all grand now we can just get our information and everything is fine which is also not true um but there's just this kind of spin going on um, i'm not surprised this happened but i'm deeply disappointed as i'm sure are lots of other survivors out there that something hasn't been done we've you know we've, we've clearly that report hurt a lot of people um, and to take a history a 76 year history of what happened to people in those institutions and Create a version that's palatable, presumably for the Catholic Church and for the government itself, is an absolute disgrace. Um, and it is deeply upsetting for everyone. And I can't believe I'm on here again talking about this. You know, I mean, I just think it's when are we ever going to move on from this? When will we see justice? When will we see equality? They don't listen. And I'm in a play at the moment written by Dylan Coburn Gray called Absent the Wrong. And it focuses on a lot of issues around Ireland at the moment, but, but particularly this one. And the, the words came to me this morning that my character says about talking about the experience of talking to the confidential committee and the whole investigation. And um, the words that are that are expressed says their words about our words are all that's left of all that heartache. And that's exactly what happened with the report. And there was an opportunity to to fix that, to actually give some respect to survivors taking the trouble to go in there and tell those painful stories. And it was painful. It was not a nice experience. And also be lied to by the confidential committee to say your words will be taken down. There will be transcripts. I was told that on the day by the man who spoke to me. That was never the case. Then they tried to say, oh, we've destroyed the recordings. Then the recordings are found. Sorry for rabbiting on, but I'm just so angry this morning that we're back in 2021 again and 2020 just watching the fallout from their behaviour and their deep lack of respect for what survivors have experienced in this country and the continuing disrespect that we receive from the Catholic Church and from the Irish government is an absolute disgrace. Noel, do you think the timing of this, that it's it's the middle of the summer, do you think that there was a purpose for the timing, that it can't be raised in the Doyle straight away? And you and you mentioned that it's their words about your words. It's not your words. You gave testimony, and I'm quite sure it was really painful testimony to give, Noel. Do, do you think that there is going to be any chance that what you actually said will be recorded anywhere? I have my recording, oddly enough. There were recordings made. Only, on only because you fought tooth and nail to get it. I fought tooth and nail to get it. And I don't actually know how many other people who spoke to the investigation committee or the confidential committee got their recordings. Um, I got mine and I listened to it. Um, and it's really painful listening. I was extremely honest. And I, looking at Elaine's report this morning, there seems to be an implication that we need to do it all over again now, that they're saying, well, survivors can give their testimony again. 
Why? You didn't listen the first time. You haven't listened to what we've been asking for years and years and years. Why on earth would they drag people in again to, to give their testimony again? The recordings are there. Let those recordings be gathered. Find out who has their recordings. We've done it. We've done it very painfully. And my testimony probably wasn't as half as painful as a lot of other people I know who went in there who were deeply traumatized by their experiences in the mother and baby home, be they birth mothers or be they children, babies that were born in those homes. Um, but to to to... I don't I don't understand why they're doing this now. We never understand, apart from the fact that they wait long enough to turn around and, you know, not do what they said they would do. It's utter disrespect. And to 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 actually let this report stand um, as a, a telling of this history and Though the report was supposed to be, our testimonies were supposed to be central to that. They weren't. They were changed, quoted out of context, badly paid, cut and pasted. There were never transcripts made from the Confidential Committee, even though we were told that they would be. They lied. What they had was 222 boxes to tick as to what kind of people we are, all with a very preconceived notion of who we were, all very negative we were never told that. There was a woman sitting there when I was giving my testimony, ticking boxes. Nobody made me aware of that. Nobody told me. Um, and we've been lied to all the way along. So whether that promise of um, a human rights eye on what happened with our testimonies is, was truth or was it just a made up lie just to keep us quiet for a bit, knowing full well that they would change their minds again. Um, but it's deeply hurtful and it's just not listening to us. And we're tired of that. These are our human rights, the right to identity. It is a human right. And um, the, no, the, Noel, I'm sorry to push in, but I, this is you, you've referred again. Some listeners may not be familiar with your own backstory as well, you know, and and I don't want to wish you to go down that road. But other, other than that, the asks you've had have been very simple in terms of your right to your identity. Can, can you maybe frame it in that way? If I don't, if it's if it's not, yeah. prob- I don't want to be use that dreaded word problematic about it. But I think we, you know, no, it's important it, that we ask that way. Absolutely, and it is an important question, and it is a complex situation a lot of the time, and it's it's hard for people to understand. But the right to your identity, where you were born, who you were born to, your family medical history—they're the basic things. What happens to you if you're adopted is the first chapter of your story is gone. And you were, you were told to start your life the day you were adopted. I was lucky. I had a very happy childhood. And, I'm, uh, and that, I was very lucky in lots of ways. But what happens is I still have a chunk of, of my life that was missing. So I went looking 20 years ago, 20 years ago. And I'm still trying to piece together information, primarily whether I was the subject of vaccine trials in Besborough where I was born, which I was by all accounts, but to try and extract that information bit by bit by bit, 20 years of trying to get that information. And this recent bill, the Birth Information and Tracing Bill, says all of that is fine now, we'll all get everything. It's not true because we're still dealing with the same state agencies. We are still dealing with TUSLA. We are still dealing with the misuse of GDPR. But it's taken me 20 years to do what other people take for granted. And to try and finish my story, I actually went down the DNA route in the end. And in six weeks, I had more information than I'd gotten in 20 years from TUSLA, the Southern Health Board, Besborough, the nuns. Um, And that's an absolute disgrace. Why? For, simply because I was born outside of marriage in the 60s, am I still paying for that? It makes no sense whatsoever. There's no equality. There's no justice for lots of people in this situation. 
Can I ask a question, Noel? I remember uh, Enda Kenny standing up in the door and I remember him issuing an apology. And, uh, you know, in the newspapers, heartfelt apology, all of this. How long has this process been going on now? Because it seems interminable. It seems to be going on forever and ever. There is no timely end to this whatsoever. None. How long is it going on? Well, I joined, became an activist in 2013 um, by virtue of being an artist mainly. But I know people like Claire McGettrick and Susan and Susan Lowen have been fighting from the early 2000s. That's how long it's going on. It's going on since the you know, since we were born, essentially, um, through the 50s and 40s, 50s, 60s, there's a whole history there. It's been going on so long. And honestly, there isn't a family in Ireland that doesn't know someone affected by this issue or has a family member affected by this issue. And what was that was really clear when the government attempted to seal the records uh, from the Commission of Investigation. Uh, it became known as Repeal the Seal. And people, this country, rose up on our behalf. They broke the doll server. They phoned their TDs. They wrote letters. They rang. They did everything. And what happened was the government had to do a quick U-turn and not seal the records. But people got in behind us. We had a movement because people understood the injustice of what is going on here. And I ask anyone to really look at those leaflets that are coming through their doors as well. It's the greatest load of spin I've ever seen in my life because that bill is deeply discriminatory. And it is, there were over 100 uh, amendments to that bill that were ignored and people fought hard even to get small changes. But it's... I, I just can't believe. I, I, I recall even some of the debates over the amendments that were that were almost the debates were won by the people yeah. looking for the amendments, and then the government just ignored them anyway. It was it was phenomenal. Like it was it was like it was like basically me and Martin arguing. I win, but he still he still ignores me afterwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was literally it, it was it, but. I'm, I'm trying to bring a bit of levity to this, folks, but oh, I can't. It's um, like, Noel, you famously said one of the first times we spoke that delay, deny and wait for me to die. Yeah. Um, and we're here we are now. Uh, wash, rinse, repeat, unfortunately. It and then is. we and I want to say something else. I don't know if you saw it today and we will be covering it also with Maria Delaney from Noteworthy, the some of the government, uh, some of the state church uh, agencies involved uh, that are due to be paying some of the um, redress have sold properties that uh, oh, yeah. I put I put the money beyond the reach of of the survivors and and in this situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it couldn't it really like it's adding injury to insult to injury to further insult. Absolutely. And what fascinates me is that is the government always raises the issue going, oh, well, if there's going to be compensation, it's going to cost this much. It's going to be taxpayers' money. Taxpayers money. Why should it be taxpayers' money? The church should pay for those wrongs. 90% of the money that they have was, was made on the backs of those women and their children. This was a baby selling business. They had free labor. They made money. And that lots of that money came from that 76 year history of abuse and incarceration of women and their children. Let them pay. So that kind of you know, blurring of the lines going, or even the language around when redress is mentioned. Well, we'll ask for a meeting with the church. You don't ask for a meeting with the church. You get them to pay what they owe if compensation is what is required for people to feel, to, to, to start their lives, to 
to, you know, to recover from the trauma that happened to them. If that is the case, then the church should pay it, not the state, not the taxpayers, the church, the very, very wealthy Catholic church, one of the wealthiest organizations in the world. And you can see that all the time when they sell properties. They earn so much land. They own so much money. Um, and it should not be up to the, the Irish state to pay for this. It should be the church. Is the Irish state's look? And it's it's really terrible to say this. No, they don't want you to know. They they, they don't no. want it out in the open. This government, and I I do mean this government, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, are historically responsible for what has happened to you. And the government does bear liability, and yes. it absolutely does bear liability. My gut feeling is it's that liability that is preventing any progress in your case. They simply don't want to be liable. This is all about who pays and they don't want to. And they will stonewall you till everybody is dead. That is Fianna Fáil. That is Fianna Gael. It is. That is the plan. There's no doubt about that. It is delay and deny till we die. But you know what? One thing that struck me back in 2017 um, when I was doing my own play that I wrote with Michelle Forbes around these issues was the audience then were young people, the children of, of men and women who were born in mother and baby homes. And they are really angry about this. So they might they might wait for us to pop my bells. I'm not going anywhere, to be quite honest. I live, I, as, I, as I say in this play, I live to 100 just to spite them. But if that is the case, this next generation who, who were part of repeal the seal and marriage equality, they're not going to take this. They're not going to, they will continue this fight. It's not going to end. We will get justice. And the bad days when this kind of thing happens, you think, God, will we ever see it? But we will get justice. It may be long after we're gone. I don't know. But it's not going to stop us fighting. And that's the spirit that we have is to keep fighting. And we are strong and we will not give up despite what is happening right now. But we do need support. We need that public support to bring this government to account. What is happening is disgraceful. We are constantly being spoken to by people who have no concept of what it means to be adopted or what it means to be a birth parent. They have no idea. They never check the privilege that they have. And I'd love to say this and sit them down and say, next time you're at home, it's Sunday lunch with your family, an extended Christmas family gathering, whatever it is, look around and check your privilege. Look at the faces around you. The next time you go for your birth certificate, check your privilege. All of those. When you need medical information, check your privilege. That's what they need to do because they are talking to people who are exhausted from being talked down to and a level of discrimination and inequality that is baffling and disturbing, to say the least. Solidarity, Noel. Solidarity is what people need to bring to this, is some Absolutely. solidarity. And they absolutely to bring it. And the time is now. The time yes, is now. It is. So bring solidarity. Noel, every time we talk to you, I hope it's the end. And I hope it's the end. And I hope you're, that every time we talk to you, you're going to be saying to us, it's over. I can yeah. sleep easy. And that's what it's about, is to sleep easy, is that sleep, is to have yeah. that sleep, to be free of it. Yeah. So now all, all I can say is you have my solidarity, you have Tony's solidarity, and I hope to God that everybody else comes along and gives you. Thank you. Hope. That means so much, guys. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks Thank for you. coming on and having this chat with us, Noel. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you so much.
Listen, folks, we, as I said, we'll be back with Maria Delaney, who wrote the piece on the church, putting those properties and the, the assets from it beyond the redress uh, that's required. So, yeah, we will continue to cover this. We would ask you, as Martin just has, to raise your voice in whatever capacity you can, whether it's ir- irritating your local TD or letting people know. It's, yeah, I mean, we don't just want to talk about social media. We often talk about about what we do here more. It's more, it's more, more, more than a podcast. It's a movement in a way. So we need people to get their asses moving. Thank you so much, Noel. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope I hope that wasn't too difficult. So, thank you again. Your stars. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.